Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, it's Ellis. Before we get into today's Orange and Brown Talk podcast, I want to tell you how you can get signed up for Football Insider. Visit cleveland.com slash browns and click the blue banner at the top of the page. That'll give you exclusive access to content, a daily newsletter, and insider text messages from myself, Dan Lobby, Mary Kay Cabot, and Scott Patsko. Everyone expects this to be a memorable Brown season. Make the most of it by becoming a Football Insider subscriber. All right, let's get to the show. All right, here we go, right after the Browns win over the Falcons in the preseason. Uh, we are going to talk about the 53-man roster. We've already moved on. We've moved past whatever happened on Sunday night, and we are talking 53-man roster. The first thing I want to do, though, before we start, is make sure everyone knows about our virtual Orange and Brown season kickoff event. It's Wednesday, September 1st from 630 to 8. Uh, Mary Kay, Scott, Ellis, me, Dougley, Maurice, Terry Pluto will have in-depth discussions uh, we'll talk analytics. We'll have a live auction, surprise cameos. Uh, so you want to get involved in this. Tickets for the event are free and can be reserved through our event page, which is at bit.ly slash C-L-E orange and brown. That's all one word. That's bit.ly slash C-L-E orange and brown. And that's also where you can enter for our VIP experience. Okay, let's get to it. 53-man roster projection. We're going to talk through kind of how we all feel about these positions, see where we differ, and I think this, we don't really need to spend a lot of time on quarterback unless anybody's going to raise their hand and say Kyle Alletta is on their 53. Everybody nope. in a lot of, okay. Yeah. That's good. A, a lot of head shaking here. So we got two quarterbacks. It's Baker Mayfield and Case Keenum. So here's where it gets interesting. The running back position, not at the top, but how you guys approached this. And I actually called an audible at this position during the game. So I'm putting my 53 man up Monday morning early morning. So it was, it was written before the game, but there was one change I made and this is where I made it, but I want to know what you guys did at the running back position. So who wants to go first? Uh, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, we got that, but who else, what else did you guys all do? Go ahead, Scott. Uh, well, I already published mine. I went first, so I'll go first here. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I had Dimitri Felton and Andy Janovich. I had four running backs. I really used last season's positional breakdown as a template. Uh, and I didn't really differ much from that. So I had four running backs, if you want to count Janovich as a running back. Uh, and I had felt him beating out to Ernest Johnson because we've seen him do everything to Ernest Johnson has done for this team. And it doesn't seem likely at this point, after seeing how much work this kid has done during 
training camp in the preseason that he's not going to be on the team. So it just seems like a stretch to have both him and, and DJ on the team together. Yeah, you know what? I agree. The the one that I struggled with in the running back position, so Nick, Kareem, Demetri Felton, Andy Janovich. Uh, I, you know, I, I went back and forth on Dearness Johnson uh, because I know they really like him. Stump likes him. He can play special teams and whatnot. But again, I didn't really see that they had a spot for him. Uh, the one that I really struggled with a little bit was Johnny Stanton because I feel like he's so versatile and they like him so much and he can play fourth tight end and he could do so many different things with him. In the end, I didn't end up putting him on my final roster because I, I feel like he's almost a bit of a luxury and that when push comes to shove, they're going to say we'd like to have him, but we're not sure that we can afford to keep him. So he could come back and this is going to be really fluid for a couple of days. Um, but in the early going in the first one, which I posted before the game today, and I had to stick with what I did. Um, I did not have Johnny Stanton. Mary Kay, I'll take your Johnny Stanton handoff there and put it over the goal line for you because I have Jan Johnny Stanton making this football team. Uh, it's a thought I had during the game, which is why I thought, Dan, um, we had, we're going to have a similar uh, change to our 53s. I realized that two things. This team's drifting away from using a fullback. I think it was a necessity in last year's offense with just how simplistic they needed to be, but they've evolved. And I don't really see a real added advantage right now when Andy Janovich is on the field. You parlay that with Steven Carlson's injury and you have a guy in Johnny Stan who could potentially, and I do think fills two roles in one, especially with a roster like this where every spot matters. And I know that's cliche, but on this roster, it's probably the rings the truest and across the league. So you see Johnny Stanton's flexibility, again, with the Carlson injury. I think he's done enough to be to st stick around where Janovich just seems like a necessity from last year and no longer has a spot in offense that has evolved, in my opinion. Okay, so I'm glad Johnny Stanton's come into this discussion. I'm glad tight ends have come into this discussion. I think this is all sort of one big discussion. The change I made was I had Johnny Stanton on. As oh, a yeah, you did. So I had Johnny Stanton on as the fourth tight end slash fullback. And then just during the game, I, I just thought to myself, I'm overthinking it. So I took Johnny off. Oh, you flipped back. And I put Dearness Johnson on. You were all over the place. Think, and I, I hate to overrate preseason games, but I just think Dearness Johnson, I don't know how anybody can watch him play and say, no, we don't want that on our team. We'd rather have Johnny Stanton. Nothing against Johnny. But we'd rather have Johnny Stanton than Dearness Johnson. I, I just don't think that makes sense. I, I think Dearness Johnson is a useful player, even with all the other backs on this team. And I, I don't see the reason to keep Johnny Stanton as a fourth tight end. And I, I don't like any of the other tight ends on this team outside of the top three. So I only kept three tight ends, and I ended up going with Dearness as my fourth, I guess my fourth running back. Plus I kept Janovich as a fullback. So I guess I kept five. Uh, but, but that was my thinking. I just think Dearness brings you too much. And, and so I'm, I just don't want to see – now, he might get waived the next day if there's somebody else they like. But initially, I just think it's hard to look at what he can bring you and say, no, we don't want that. We could really loop this argument with, like, five different rooms on this team because right. there is talent everywhere. Because I hear you. Dearness Johnson is a, is a professional running back. He, he looks the part in every way and, and performs. 
but I think you guys are right. I mean, and he does. And that's why I think Andrew's probably going to be on the phone trying to see if he could do sure. something with a guy like that. Because Demetric Felton, I think, kind of cancels him out a little bit. It, it'll be interesting to see what they what they do. Some guys just make it for special teams. But, yeah. I think, you guys, are all, I think you guys are all overhyping during this chance. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I go, I think about last season and, uh, and how the Browns really failed as a run game when they had to stop running so much when Nick Chubb went out. Cause they didn't have anybody else to come in behind Kareem Hunt. Um, I, I don't see the point of keeping him and Felton because they basically do the same thing. And I, I don't want to turn every position into a debate, but that kind of goes along with why I didn't. Well, that's what I did, Scott. I, I, I've got Felton, Chubb, Kareem and Andy. I, I didn't have, I don't have Dearness, but it, but I can see why you would put Dearness on the team, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if they also do. But. Well, well, I mean, the other, the only other thing I'll mention is they use full, they've used fullback a ton in preseason. I don't know if they're ready to close the book on that position just yet. I, I mean, I think, I think that's the fun of this, though, is we got four people doing 53-man rosters. Like, we're yeah. gonna have different, it's so fun if we all say the same things. So I'm, I'm glad we differ on this. Absolutely. I know it's probably too late in the evening to, <laughs> I to get into a fullback debate here, but I feel like Johnny Stan can can do a lot of the things that they asked Andy Janovich to do. Yeah. And you know what? Andy's one of the best. Um, Andy's one of the best fullbacks in the league, so I I don't think he's going anywhere. He's one that I'm really confident about having on on my 53. Oh wait, Ellis, you you had Janovich on yours too. Did we all have Janovich? Okay, yeah, yeah. we all had Andy Janovich. Okay, just making sure. <laughs> uh, okay, so, so let's move on to tight ends. Like I said, I kept three. I kept Harrison Bryant, Austin Hooper, and David Njoku. Uh, what, what did you guys do with tight end? Who kept four? Who only kept three? What did you guys do there? Yeah, I kept three, and as I said with the Stanton pick, he was my hybrid tweener guy to to because three just it doesn't look right when I was looking at Mary Kay's pregame. It just if I was Kevin Stefanski, I'd get anxiety knowing how much he leads on tight end. And then Johnny Stan came to my mind. Okay, he, he can he can fill that spot as a number four, in my opinion. Yeah, I, go ahead. I'd say I had four as well. I, I had Frank's making this team uh, kind of almost by default. Uh, I was curious to see if, if Stanton would get more looks at tight end, but I don't I don't think that's going to be a thing. So yeah, I think Jordan Frank's is your fourth tight end. And, and I agree with Ellis that that you, Stefanski wants four tight ends on this team. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that, but I. I don't know. When I looked at their positions, I had to borrow from somewhere uh, because I, I went with five defensive tackles. And there were a couple areas where I had to just, just like grab a, a person from somewhere. And, and if it was if I had my choice between Jordan Franks and one of the other defensive tackles, I went defensive tackle. Um, but three tight ends doesn't seem like enough when you play three tight ends a fair amount. So look, look. It, it'll be interesting to see if they squeeze Johnny onto the roster somehow. I know they would love to, and this would be the reason why, because you could actually do this with him. But I don't know. That'll be an interesting one. And to Mary Kay's point, this roster isn't maximizing its talent if it keeps four tight ends and one of them being Franks. I get why it has to happen, but a much more talented player will get cut if that's the case. Yeah, Ellis, that's, that's the point I was going to make. Like, okay, are, are you keeping Jordan Franks because he's a tight end or are you keeping Jordan Franks because he's a good player? You're keeping him because he's a tight end. So, again, not to bring this back to Dearness Johnson, you can throw any other name out there you want. Give me Dearness Johnson over Jordan Franks. Give me 
that fifth defensive tackle. And Mary Kay, I can't wait to talk defensive tackle. You and yeah. I are on the same page on this. Uh, give me that extra defense. Give me Malik McDowell if he's on if he's off your roster. Give me him over Jordan Franks. You know, did you not see Jordan Franks chase down a pick six tonight? Did you not <laughs> see that? Or Jordan Franks. He's just out here playing football and he's taking strays on the Orange or Brown Talk podcast. Our apologies to, to Jordan Franks. Okay, offensive line. Uh, actually, no, no, we got to do wide receiver first. I had, right now, I've got six. And this is another one where there's a guy that we've got to talk about, and that's Kaderil Hodge. So the six I have are Odell, Richard Higgins, Jarvis Landry, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Anthony Schwartz, and there's Kadero Hodge. I'm still not 100% certain that Kadero Hodge makes his team. Hearing Kevin Stefanski talk tonight and hearing Kadero Hodge talk tonight did not give me any sense of certainty that he's going to make this team. So how do you guys approach wide receivers? I'll go first. This is one I changed today, and I could have easily gotten duped by Kevin Stefanski, Andrew Barry, trying to pump up Cordero's trade value possibly. But you make a play like that with your QB1, and then you just remember everything he was a year ago, of course, the, the special teams. I mean, think of the ringing endorsement coach Mike Prefer gave to him this week when he spoke. You know, he's all about – what Cadero brings to that all three phases of the special teams game. So this is a spot where now I don't understand where Jojo Natson fits in because I feel like Anthony Schwartz, a guy who they worked at getting involved in the game plan tonight, does everything Natson does. And you just saw Natson not being all that involved. I mean, he got to a few targets later, but it just seems like a, a spot where the rookie does what Natson does and Cordero made th- those plays we were waiting for him to make. Yeah, I, I had – this is this is a the danger you run into when you do your fifty three too early. So I did like I did mine on Thursday, and I had Natson as the the last guy, right? I had you know Beckham, Landry, uh, DPJ, Richard Higgins, Anthony Schwartz, and then Natson. And at that point, the argument in my head was Natson is your return guy because that's what the Browns had led me to believe before tonight. And then tonight happens, and Felton is the guy out there for the first two. Uh, kick returns. He, he also returned a punt. DPJ returned the first punt. Natson did get on the field to the very end of the first half. And so if I'm going to change one of these, it's probably going to be replacing Natson with Kadero Hodge. Uh, just based on what I saw and how it made me think that that could be how the Browns are thinking. Uh, it just might make more sense now. And then, of course, seeing Felton return, you know, do pretty good on his returns. It's just one more reason why why maybe Natson is is expendable. But I, I still thought that maybe he was like the real the only real key to having a dynamic return game. If you look at all the guys they had, he's probably the only guy that really gives you that chance. But you know, I think if there's one change, it's probably taking him off and putting Kadero Hodge on. Well, you know what? I still think that they will have some debate in the room about that. If they're going to keep six receivers. Um, Kadero Hodge has similar characteristics to a couple of other guys on the team. He's, you know, he's a Donovan Peoples-Jones type. Uh, you know, he's got, you know, some of the, some Rashard in him. He's got some Jarvis. Uh, he's a good receiver, but is he really going to get on the field that much this year? Right? Yeah, he won't. 
So if you look at it in terms of, okay, he's good and he can play in the NFL, but what are you going to do with him? You look at JoJo Nansen, and you know exactly what you're going to do with them. You know you have a proven returner, and you know you can run them on the jet sweeps and the other things that they were going to do with them last year. And you're working Anthony Schwartz into some of those types of roles and things that he's going to be able to do, but you're just not sure yet. So JoJo Nansen does bring something unique and specific to the table in terms of dynamic, proven returner, absolutely proven returner, coming off an ACL, but nonetheless, he looks pretty good to me. Um, so I, I put JoJo on ahead of Cadero because he brings the returnability and the jet sweep ability. I could be completely wrong. Both of those guys could be gone. There's a chance they could both be gone because you could keep Demetric sort of as your sixth receiver and you're saving yourself a spot there. But I just like the idea of having a proven, proven receiver and somebody can do that do that does the stuff that he does. He's probably going to be gone, but. I like so I like him just from a roster building standpoint better than Kadero. That, that's where I almost want to take Hodge off for another defensive end. I, I personally, I, I know this coaching staff seems to really like JoJo, and they really tried to kind of force that the jet sweep stuff last year, and I, I, just, I just don't see it. I don't. I know they're gonna if they keep him, they're gonna keep doing it, but I just I don't see what he gives you offensively. I think you can do. I think you can do better if you're going to keep him as an offensive weapon. Um, so that's, that's the, the problem I would have with keeping JoJo over someone else who could maybe give you a little more or be a little more versatile. Um, and then it doesn't have to be Hodge. It could be someone else. Again, someone who becomes available and, and on the waiver wire or something. But um, I, I don't see Hodge as like a multi-phase player. The coaching staff seems to disagree with me, obviously, and they're, they're smarter than I am. But for all that jet sweep stuff they were running last year, it didn't produce a whole lot before he got hurt. Well, think so about I, this. I don't know. I, I still need to see it. Think about this, you guys, too. There's another uh, person involved here that I think is going to probably stick around in some fashion and can be called up if you need him. And I think he gives you a Hodge-like dynamic. And that is... Maybe on Davis. Absolutely, 100%. I mean, I love the way he's high-pointing the ball. He's making difficult catches. I mean, he can make that catch that, that Kadero made. So you keep him around. If you can keep him around on the practice squad, if you can, if you can pull that off, I don't think you need Kadero. But, I mean, Kadero built a well, lot of momentum tonight. But you, you get a free two weeks with Avion, basically. You get a free two weeks where you don't have to do anything. And, like, look, Kadero hasn't done a ton. You know, I, I talked about JoJo Natson. I mean, Kadero's kind of – just a guy, you know, if they really like his special teams work, then that, that maybe gets him on. But as a receiver, there, there's a lot of guys out there like him. So, and, and perhaps we learn go any number of ways on this. And, and perhaps we learn something about Andrew Barry with this move, cutting Cordell Hodge, I think saves you a couple million, like 2 million or so. So that, that could tip the tables one way or another, the scales one way or another, if you will. Um, offensive line. There's not a ton to get into. I'm just curious who your guys' offensive line, extra offensive line were. I had nine. Is that is that about where you guys landed, Mary Kay? I think I saw that you had nine. Yes, I did. But you know what? I, I really struggled with who the ninth was going to be. Right. And I just so, didn't know whether to put Blake Hans, Michael Dunn, 
Michael Dunn has a back injury right now. That's not helping his case at all. Uh, so therefore, I probably should have put Blake ahead of, of Michael Dunn. But um, I don't know. I, I didn't, I, I actually haven't like watched a lot of film of both of those guys and broken, <laughs> broken down their game enough. To know. I just didn't spend a whole lot of time studying Blake and, and Michael Dunn enough to decide which one I wanted over the other. So I went with Michael Dunn. Probably stupid because of the back injury, but that's the one I went with. Come on, Mary Kay, what have you been doing? You're not breaking down the <laughs> backup guards and third Nine guard film. I went with Blake Vance for the sole reason that he can play center. But that, I mean, that was the only reason I went with him. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm with you on this. I don't know. This, this was another change I made during the game, late in the game, too. I, I had done, and then you just start seeing a lot more of Blake Hens, of course, like Mary Kay said, due to the injury. And that's really the number one thing at O-line, right? Availability, be healthy. And, and to me, that, that takes care of itself. And then my number's nine, like you guys as well. Yeah, I had Hubbard and Hudson as your, your swing tackles. And then Nick Harris, obviously, is a backup center. And then I went with Dunn. He, I mean, if you want to go by PFF, if you want to use that as a measuring stick, if you don't want to break down tape of how your guards are doing, uh, <laughs> he, he's played much better than Blake Hans. Um, But again, the back injury throws a, a wrench into things. Forbes seems like he might be out of the equation now. Um, so yeah, if it's not done, it's probably, it's probably Blake Hans. Because uh, I, I would think that you want two guys to tackle, two guys on the interior who can do multiple things. And yeah, but the important thing here is the top five are pretty much set and have been set for a long time. And that's, that's a good place to be if you're the Browns. Mm -hmm. And, and real, quick, real, sorry, real quick, the old line just looked amazing when Baker was out there those two series, just incredible. This is going to be a year two, of course, with Baker and the running and all that, but it starts up front and it's going to, the red zone, they're going to just dominate and maul people up there. And it's just fun to see for anyone that loves watching tape, it, it, that old line play when it's that good, ugh, it's, it's different. Uh, my rant's over. I had to get that off my chest. I mean, like Mary Kay wrote, it's going to be pick your poison with Baker. Yeah. A big part of that is just all the talent around him and, and the offensive line in front of him. It's unbelievable what he's got at his disposal. By the way, in the back of my mind now, you guys have me thinking about Jojo Hanson. He might end up uh, on my roster here. So uh, we'll, we'll see where this, where this goes. Okay, here we go. Defensive line. I divided it into two. Uh, I had kept four ends and five tackles. Now, Mary Kay, you kept five tackles as well. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason we did that is because of Malik McDowell, honestly. Mm -hmm. Scott, how many tackles did you have? I had five. Okay, so we're all on five. One of them was not Malik McDowell. Uh, and I kind of wrote after the game tonight that, that was a mistake. Um, I, I went with, I had Jackson and Billings and I had Togai and, uh, Jordan Elliott. Um, and then I had Sheldon Day as the, as the fifth guy. I just, I really liked the way he played during camp and in the preseason games, but the last two games together, looking at McDowell, it's clear that he needs to be that fifth guy. Now they only kept four last year going into week one. Uh, so that would be a change. I, I don't see them getting rid of Togiai and, and Jordan Elliott. Um, I mean, Elliott had a night tonight because uh, those guys are just recent draft picks and it's just, they're not going to cut bait with those and they're not going to get either one of those guys to the practice squad, I would think. So, um, and obviously Jackson and Billings are your starters. So yeah, I think it's, I think it's Malik McDowell. I, th I don't, 
he's done enough to earn a longer look for sure. Uh, he's, you know, when he's out there, he does things that you notice and they're just blowing up plays. And even if he's not the guy in, who ultimately makes the tackle or gets the sack, he's involved in a lot of opening the door for the people who do get those plays. Um, so yeah, he's, he's making my, my roster. Yeah. I, I almost have no doubt about, I have no doubt about Malik McDowell. He's, he's definitely making the roster. Um, the one person that, that maybe could be a surprise if they decided they want to keep another younger guy, like if they were worried about losing somebody, I, I kind of had Andrew Billings in the back of my mind, but I, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. I really think it'll be Andrew Billings, Malik Jackson starters, Jordan Elliott, Togiai, for reasons that we have discussed, you're not cutting bait with your third round pick from last year. He's getting better. Togiai looks good. Malik McDowell. I felt really comfortable with this five. I felt super comfortable. You'd love to keep Sheldon Day, and you might be able to bring him back. You don't have to expose him to waivers, and you could possibly do something with him in the, in the event that you you can. And, you know, just sometimes you go heavy at a position if, if there's reason to do that. Malik Jackson can almost serve as another defensive end at times. So you can justify going a little heavy at the tackle position, in my opinion. Yeah, I, in any other year, Sheldon Day is making this team, and in really any other camp, Sheldon Day is probably on a 53-man roster based on his his performance in training camp. It, watching him day in and day out in Berea, he just had that constant motor that stood out, and then you know he made plays in the preseason as well. But this is a loaded group, as we keep saying. I debated and I'm still debating Sheldon Day versus Jordan Elliott. Um, my my one rule was don't I'm do it. I'm not going to cut any draft picks, any right. like this year's draft picks. But I, I did debate a little bit about Sheldon Day and Jordan Elliott. I kept Elliott just because he was a third round pick last year. But um, you know, if they really like Sheldon Day, they probably. I mean, I think they could probably get a guy like Elliott to the practice squad, but I, I don't think they want to give up on a third round pick this quickly. Um, so I, I ended up keeping him, and I'll just I'll play it safe on that one. I'm not going to shoot my shot there and, and go with Sheldon Day over. Real quick on, on this point, Mary Kay brought up Billings. You're dancing around Jordan Elliott a bit. Uh, it says a lot about this room that the top part is solved, but are we sure Tommy Togiai, you know, is better than Sheldon Day? Are we sure Andrew Billings yeah. is better than Sheldon Day? You know what? You are not, you got to remember something, okay? This is just a fundamental rule that everybody has to keep in mind. Andrew Barry, a new general manager, is going to pro fiercely protect yeah. his draft picks. Absolutely 100%. And he's going to give them every chance to succeed. They put so much time and effort into these guys. They're not going to give up on them, certainly in their first year, and probably not in their second year if they're that high of a pick. So right. you just really have to think, these, this is a good personnel department. They believe in their drafting ability. They draft good players in the sixth round of the draft. They go that deep. They're good that deep. So if they're good that deep, they're not giving up their fourth rounders. They're not giving up their third rounders. You got to think that they, they are really, really jumping on the table for these guys. Yeah, to me, it's more of a question about Billings. Uh, to, that the, the picks are going to be protected, and we can get into a, a confirmation bias with how, how teams draft and endorse their players in that way. But 
Billings was brought in with an opportunity, of course, at the weird year with COVID, and now we are where we are. Sheldon Day has played great, and he stood out more to me than guys like Toya and Billings, but because of how they were brought here, they stick around. That is how this will play out. Yeah, Ellison, I mean, I think it's two separate questions, right? Like you were asking, is Tommy Togiak better than Sheldon Day? Right now, no, but that doesn't mean that they're going to move on. It's sort of like James Hudson, right? I mean, James Hudson has not really been particularly great in this preseason, but you don't need him to be your backup swing tackle, and maybe he'll develop into a tackle down the road, but you're not going to give up on that guy. You know, especially everything – we've talked about this before. We don't have to spend a ton of time on this, I guess. But Andrew Barry, when he talks about the draft, doesn't talk about right. guys helping him now. He talks about guys helping him down the road. It's one of the luxuries with this roster. They have yep. so much top end talent. Yep. Um, so that, that's why it's just hard for me. That's why my, my hard and fast rule was there's no way I'm cutting a 2021 pick. Yeah. And it was going to take a lot to move on from a 2020 pick. I don't know if I moved on from any of them or not on mine. Uh, defensive ends, who did you guys keep as your extras? I had um, Porter Gustin and Tack McKinley as my other two. Did anybody go with Cameron Malvo? I debated it. A bunch of nameless gray faces there for that fourth uh, defensive end spot. I'm not sure anybody really jumped up and claimed that. So, yeah, I went with Porter Gustin because of the experience, and he's been here, and, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, kept, I kept Porter around. Again, you'd think – you know, it's about the body of work, and he put he had some really valuable snaps last year, especially late in the playoffs in Kansas City. To me, that those still got to count for something. All right, I took a little bit of a risk here, and if I had to change something, I would probably I might go with Cameron Malvo after tonight. He looked he looked good tonight. Yep. yep. Um, but anyways, that fourth spot, as Scott mentioned, bunch of nameless what nameless. Gray faces, Gray face. <laughs> but um, but it actually turned out to be one of the more intriguing battles of camp. Who was going to be this guy? And it became more important when you didn't know if Tack McKinley was coming back, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, now he's back. Um, so, anyways, I still think it's been a pretty good battle. And I don't know that Porter Gustin seized the moment. I just don't know that he did it. Um. I didn't feel like Curtis Weaver really seized the moment, right? But Cameron Malvo and Joe Jackson did a pretty nice job. The well, reason I'm why – I'm glad you mentioned Joe Jackson. Pardon me? I'm glad you mentioned Joe Jackson. Well, I went with Joe Jackson because, once again, I didn't spend all afternoon studying fourth defensive end tape, had other things to, to write and worry about. Um, but – Joe Thomas on the telecast last week said Joe Jackson is becoming one of his favorite players. So I thought, you know what, if it's a big toss up for me, I'm going to go with what Joe Thomas said. But then after I watched the game tonight, I was like, Oh, I should have gone with Cameron Malvo. But anyway, Joe Thomas doesn't know what he's talking about, right? <laughs> it could, yeah. blocking, what does Joe know? Blocking edge rushers. So when was he doing that? Exactly. But anyway, so so, yeah, I took his word for it, and I went with Joe Jackson. But it could be any one of those guys, except for, yeah, I think it could be Porter, Cameron, or Joe. Uh, yeah, I thought about Cameron. I thought about Joe Jackson. I just played it safe with Porter Gustin. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think you're right, Mary Kay. I, I didn't look out there during camp or during the preseason and think, man, Porter Gustin is really making his case. So, yeah, yeah I think that's – 
that's something to keep an eye on here mm -hmm. as, as we go forward. Yep. Um, linebacker, surprisingly easy for me. Same for you guys, I kept six. Not that easy. Really? Where, no. where, where did you run into trouble? Um, well, I went with Tony, I kept Tony Fields. Yeah. I kept Tony Fields on there. I kept, and that's where I ran into trouble with like, okay, am I keeping Jacob Phillips on the, on the 50, initial 53 just to get him to uh, designated for return IR? So I went with Anthony. I went with JOK, Sione, Mac, Tony. I don't have my roster in front of me right now. And uh, I went with Jacob. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six. That's it. I went with those six. You said Mac, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's six. Who, who has a different six? That's my, that's my six. Did, did, you say, did you say you did include Phillips? I did. Yes, I called it up here. You did. Okay, let me see if I did that too. So I did not. And now that I'm thinking about it, it makes me wonder if Scott, what did you do? I had I had that six. I had Fields on it, and originally I uh, I had shipped off Jacob Phillips to IR already. Uh, he is not on IR yet, so uh, I, that's one change I had to go back and make. And basically, the the thinking was put Phillips on your fifty three, then you put him on IR. Malcolm Smith is the odd man out. Maybe you bring him back then. Um, Fields. Maybe he's on short-term IR. Maybe that opens up a spot for someone like Elijah Lee uh, to come back. But uh, the, the actual initial 53, though, it was, you know, those six guys. Yeah, one, it, 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 I mean, one of the – or two of these guys are coming back, right? It, I mean, it seems right. for that. Yeah, I think, I think once you get Jacob through and on to uh, short-term IR, then I think – I almost think you bring Malcolm Smith back. But you might want to bring Elijah Lee back. He's a big Yeah, I think fan. he might be more valuable because Malcolm Smith's biggest strength, at least last year, was his coverage ability. That's what he brought that uh, this team was missing. Well, now you have Koromoa there. You got uh, Mac Wilson showing signs of life. Uh, and, and now maybe Malcolm Smith's a little more expendable. You, you lost Jacobs Phillips for an unknown amount of time. So maybe bringing back somebody like Lee who could play in the middle uh, makes more sense. Yeah, I actually agree with that. And I think breaking down this tape, at least, you know, watching the Giants game last week, I'll go back and watch this one tomorrow. Malcolm Smith just doesn't have that coverage, lateral quickness. You know, you can see the game still, but then your body's not moving. And not like he was, you know, this lockdown coverage linebacker to begin with, but they've got much better options now, like you're saying, Scott. Yeah. All right. Well, look, I was just doing, we're just doing this as a podcast so that I can make sure that my uh, 53 man roster is, uh, and this is just a brainstorming for me. So, yeah, I'm putting Jacob Phillips on there now, Malcolm Smith, unfortunately. I got to take you off. Okay, corners. I got six. Uh, no one surprising except for maybe one, but he started tonight, so I don't think it's all that surprising. I kept uh, the obvious. Troy Hill, Greg Newsom, MJ Stewart, Denzel Ward, and Reed Williams. I kept MJ Stewart because Mike Prefer specifically called him out last week and said he was going to be a key part of their special teams. So I, that, that kind of got my attention. And then the other guy was AJ Green. And he started tonight. So that makes me think that AJ Green's going to make this team. Yeah, when they got. Oh, go ahead. 
I was going to say he made nice play. He broke up that yeah. uh, pass in the end zone. That, that was a nice play. Yeah, when they got rid of Robert Jackson, it became clear A.J. Green was going to make this roster. Uh, he kind of stepped into that role. It would have been Robert Jackson out there starting, uh, you know, had this been, been last year at this time. So, yeah, I had, I had pretty much the same group. And I have M.J. Stewart getting on there. Uh, he's missed much of camp with injury, but, he, you know, he's got experience that, you know, Brian Allen and whoever else is left uh, do not have. So, yeah, it was kind of an easy six to, to put together. Did I leave MJ on my list, Dan? Uh, let me pull it up here. I got it right here. I got to scroll down. Yes, you have MJ. You have Denzel, Craig Newsom, Greedy Williams, MJ Stewart, Troy Hill, and AJ Green. Okay. Yeah, this was the easiest group to me. I, I flew right through this. Those are my six. It's, it's interesting because I almost think, like, I, I think going into camp, we thought linebacker was going to be really hard. It was, yeah. I guess, we talked about the problems we had, but a lot of that was because of injuries. And we thought corner might be hard, but it's sort of, all shook out. Yeah, and I, I think these guys did a good job defining their roles. You, you know, there were, we figured out what they were, which, of course, added to the mystery. And then injuries play a part. And it, it just shakes out this way largely because you know for your role from one to six. You, you know what they bring to this team. And okay. next, next year, next year, linebacker might be hard because I think we thought it was going to be hard because JOK brought the possibility of a guy who's – a three down linebacker and not your middle linebacker. So maybe they didn't have to play so much situational. Maybe that's where they get to next year, but sure. uh, this season, it's still, you know, linebacking by committee. Yeah. You're still kind of trying to figure out just how much JOK can do. Maybe he hits the ground running and by week four, you're like, okay, this dude's unreal. Um, and, you know, maybe it takes time, but yeah, by year two, you should have an idea of exactly what he's going to be going into next year for sure. And, and you can kind of define this room a little differently. Um, safeties. So Mary Kay, I think you and I differed on this one a little bit. You kept five. Uh, your fifth was Javante Moffitt. I kept four. I kept Delpit, Harrison, John Johnson, and Richard LeCount. You, of course, kept those four and Javante Moffitt. Scott, who did you have? Uh, I, I, yeah, I this Top three, and then LeCount was my fourth. Um, I think you get him out to the practice squad. Uh, but, yeah, it was a pretty easy one for me. Um, Grant Delpit's injury throws a wrench into things as far as what you take into week one. But I think those are the, those are the four guys, Johnson, Delpit, Harrison, LeCount. Okay, yeah, I, I had five here, actually. I think Moffitt has done an excellent job in camp being around the football probably a surprise in just how deep this position is, you know, in terms of think, coming in thinking it's top heavy. And I'm staring now at five guys who, you know, of course there's levels to this stuff, but five very competent safeties that you trust in your back end, like night and day comparing it to last year. Right. So I have five largely because of the continuous injury mystery that is this safety room and because of the value position in Joe Wood's defense and mob. Yeah, yep. I just felt like every time I looked up, Javante Moffitt was out there and I just couldn't get him out of my head. And then the other part about it was the fact that um, we just don't know what's going on with Grant Delpit yet and when he's going to be able to come back or is he going to end up on, on IR for a little bit. And in that event, um, you know, you, I don't know that you want to risk exposing Javante Moffitt to, to waivers because of what's going on with Grant Delpit. I think you're going to need that guy. I mean, they play, uh, they're going to play a lot of three tight end, three um, safeties in their in their dime, and their big nickel. 
So because of that, and because of grants uncertainty, which I know that they're sure, pretty sure he's going to be totally fine at some point in the very near future, he might need three or four weeks. So that's why I kept Javante Moffitt. It might be almost a little bit more of a short-term thing for him, but I don't think they can risk losing him. It's interesting to me that the red one was not anyone's extra safety. Yeah, we got that well, I was at, I was hey, great minds think of the right, especially this late, right, Dan? Um, I think I don't think Sheldricks had a took his moment. He did not seize the moment. I know he was battling injuries. He's a guy from a previous regime, of course. No, Barry probably had his hands in acquiring red wine. Um, no, well, did, I don't know. He was he was uh, gone. He was around the year red wine got drafted. Okay, either either way. It, no, no, I don't think he was. He was okay. That, that's that's what I thought. Sheldrick was 2019, wasn't that's he? 2019. Yeah, that was when Andrew was in Philadelphia. It, it's it's yeah. confusing. Sometimes I forget because Andrew was here in 2018, gone in 2019, right. back in 2019. I couldn't remember if he was in 2018 or 2019. Yeah, then that that tells you that tells me everything I need to know. You can you can sign that one off. Like not their guy. Didn't seize his moment. And like Mary Kay said, Moffitt remains around the ball. And I'll close with this. You know, you, you wonder what's going on with Grant Delpit. And it's just very important to keep in mind that Ronnie Harrison has, has his own injury history as well. The important this position is Moffitt is a commodity. And LeCount is a guy who might get on the field this year as well. Possible. Last one here that we got to talk about. Uh, Chase McLaughlin, again, I asked Kevin Stefanski directly today, are you comfortable with Chase McLaughlin as your kicker? Kevin Stefanski did not say yes. Kevin Stefanski did not even really say that he was without saying yes directly. He just kind of talked about all these guys. And I, I wish I had the quote in front of me. But the point is, I didn't come away from his answer saying, oh, yeah, this guy really loves what he's seen out of Chase McLaughlin so far. He might end up being your kicker in Kansas City, but I'm still waiting for somebody to step up there and say, and Mary Kay, you made the point that they did this to Phil Dawson too. So who <laughs> I'm still waiting for somebody to stand up there and say, yeah, yep, Chase is our guy. Let's go. Well, what if, I, well go ahead, Mary Kay. I think that uh, I think they're moving forward with the idea that they're comfortable with him starting the season and they're going to see how it goes unless somebody better, obviously better, comes along and shakes out in the final cuts. And that's why they're not prepared. I think they're like, okay, let's give this a shot. Let's see how this goes. Uh, unless, of course, they like somebody significantly better over the next few days, then they're going to proceed. But they also have the opportunity to bring Cody Parkey back at a certain point uh, if they need to. So, you know, Chase could get a certain amount of weeks, if it doesn't work out, maybe, just maybe, you see Cody in these parts again. What a strange tryout today. I mean, just the, just the scale and, and spectrum of his performance. I mean, from making the 32 to kicking a beautiful 56-yarder that, of course, falls a little short, but it looked great. And then ending it how we did with that extra point. I, it's special teams, but, man, that is um, – I don't even know how you – I really don't know how you analyze it or break it down. It's just like – Man, I mean, I, look, Chase, 
they're they're going to have people in here next week. I'm fully right. expecting them to have people in here. Like they're they're just, they can't wait to see who's cut so they can bring in other people. Like Chase McLaughlin has played for five teams over the last two years, and he's made like what 78 percent of his kicks in his career, which is not good. Uh, that's why they're not saying he's their guy because they desperately want to have other options before they have to say that he's their guy. Um, it would have been great if he had hit that 56 yard. It'd be great if he had missed an extra point tonight. And then there's some confidence going into these two weeks, but I'd be shocked if they don't have people trying out for kicker next week. The other thing I asked, this was kind of inspired by your tweet, Ellis. I asked Kevin, like that 56 yard, is it as simple as, well, he just didn't make it. Or do you, you know, do you still like the kick? You know, he kind of laughed and said, well, you know, it's kind of just about making it missing. <laughs> a Kevin answer. We're getting used to this. Kevin Stefanski for you. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> Look, the roof was open. Maybe that had something to do with it, right? It's a tough environment to kick in here. Okay, so there we go, our 53-man roster. I promise I only made one change while we were sitting here talking through mm-hmm. it. That was because I had made a mistake in the linebacker room. I had written off Jacob Phillips, much like Scott had. Uh, so that was the only change I made. I'm keeping Hodge on my roster, even though you guys – really got me thinking about Jojo Well, I'm still afraid that if you went back and actually counted up my 53-man roster that I put out before the game, that it probably doesn't even add up to 53. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put 56 on there. Who knows? That's the tricky part, the math part of all this. It's 53 in theory only. <laughs> exactly. Three-ish. Yeah. All right, there we go. Uh, our Orange and Brown Talk podcast in the books. I guess we'll be back. I guess we'll react to the actual 53-man roster tomorrow. So there we go. Content just keeps coming here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. So for Mary Kay, Ellison Scott, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.